Welcome to the Gastro and Teritis Blues. My name is Steve Lippman. I am with Dan Vopone and no longer Emily <laughs> Connell as she has, I don't know, but as I'm doing the intro, uh, Emily has dropped out of, uh, of the locker room. So, uh, Dan, I ask you, we just watched the Sixers beat the Wizards uh, 120 to 95 in game two of the NBA playoffs for the Sixers. What is your immediate reaction to that game, Dan? Yeah, I mean, the only reaction is, like, everyone played great. Um, By the way, we're live on Locker Room. I usually wait to say oh, that right. at the end. Yeah, we're live on Locker Room, and uh, I'm happy to be here. So go ahead. What, what was your immediate reaction there? I mean, yeah, like, really, everyone played great. The Wizards are really bad. Um, but that, I don't think that, that – not I don't say that takeaway from the Sixers. I just think it's funny that they're really bad. Um, but the Sixers were, were awesome tonight. One of the – I mean, usually being the Wizards, you wouldn't say in the regular season would be one of the best games of the year, but because it's a playoff game, easily one of the best games of the year. Yeah. Um, Emily, thanks for rejoining us here. Um, what is your favorite alcoholic beverage? You were at a bar recently uh, tonight, and what would you say is your go-to drink at the bar uh, these days? Um, I really just prefer like a light beer because you can drink a lot of them. Mm. So I was drinking a local lager for most of the night, but then I was like, Oh, I want dessert, but I'm full. So I don't want like the brownie sundaes. And I, plus I'd been drinking beer and that's not great. So then I got a pomegranate martini with a sugar rim. And that was like a delightful, sweet way to end my time at this bar where I might've saw seen Robert Irvine from restaurant impossible. Question for both of you. Have either of you ever had an espresso martini? Delicious. I don't drink. Really? Right. Dan doesn't drink coffee. I've never had one. Oh, they're Um, so lovely. But I love coffee and I love to have a good time. And by a good time, I mean have one of them and then call my dad. Um, We should get into the game Sixers won tonight. I want to, I don't want to belabor this. I want to get it out of the way because I feel like we should probably acknowledge it. Um, Tyler Monahan in the chat says espresso martinis are goaded. Love to hear it. Um, I just want to, deal with like uh mentioning the fan tonight so after that we can just talk about how great the Sixers were uh tonight Russell Westbrook got hurt and as he walked into the tunnel a fan dumped popcorn onto him don't ever do that that's shitty and not funny and not cool and I think also carries like racial implications when you're a white guy doing that to a black athlete don't do it ever makes all of us look bad um, I hate it, and I think that people are going to talk about it, and, you know, I don't blame them for it now in between games, and, you know, uh, the Sixers should ban him, and that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Emily, do you have anything you want to add um, in this subject? No, I think he is super lame. Um, it would have been not cool, but, like, Russell Westbrook was completely, like, valid in his response to be kind of like, I'm want to you know fight him Um, not that I'm like condoning violence but that was super disrespectful and he's not one of us and we do not condone that kind of behavior I am with you uh Dan anything else before we move on to all of the happy things about tonight no that was just yep all right great um 
Moving on. The Sixers played tonight. Now, in between game one and game two, you're going to be surprised, but there was a lot of like Ben Simmons discourse. Got to love it. Every time there's a Ben Simmons game, there's got to be some discourse with it. So uh, a lot of Ben was uh, perfect. A lot of Ben was awful. Uh, I, you know, we sort of said on our last podcast that we really don't have to make every single game like a giant Ben discussion and we can sort of chill until uh, the later rounds when everything will come to a head. But to his credit, tonight Ben was excellent. He was 11 for 15. He had 22 points, nine rebounds, eight assists. He was a plus 18, only turned the ball over twice. Um, I, I was super impressed with him. I thought that the way that he just wouldn't be denied down low when guarded by smaller guys, which teams do to him a good amount because he doesn't punish them enough. Um, I was very impressed uh, with him. Uh, Dan, as somebody who never criticizes Ben, I imagine this was a pretty easy watch for you. What did you think of Ben's game tonight? Yeah, Ben Ben was great. I think, you know, all I'll say about it besides he was great, which I think is pretty obviously true. He had a, a great game um, in basically every, every respect. Um, is that this is the kind of game that I think proves that it doesn't always have to be one or the other when it comes to points and assists with Ben. Um, and b- both, both, both were down this year, um, which is, you know, depending on, you know, how much you're worried it carries over to the playoffs, either, you know, a little bit concerning or you think he's just going to step it up. And he's definitely, you know, at least assist wise and points wise tonight really stepped it up. Um, but I, I, you know, I th- there's always the person who will say, you know, in a game where Ben has a lot of assists, um, but maybe didn't score a lot, and people are saying, well, the assists are great, I wish he'd score more. There's always people who say something like, well, what's the difference, you know, if he's getting the offense points from assists versus he's getting the offense points from scoring himself. And I feel like that's such an oversimplification because there's no reason he can't do both. Like, he's he tonight had 22 points and 8 assists. Yeah. That's that's big. They need him to be doing both. And I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do every night. It's high expectations, but he's, you know, a great player with a ton of talent. And I think it's a fair expectation. Um, and he certainly lived up to it tonight. So I hope that continues. He was really great. Yeah. And even just to distill it a little bit, like in the later rounds and in the Eastern Conference Finals, should the Sixers get, get there and they really should, um, the Sixers are going to need scoring from everywhere uh, in terms of the main guys and especially that are not in beat because they'll need him from, you know, they're going to double him a lot. So uh, a game like this, I think, is very uh, heartening. And it was great to see. Emily, uh, what did you think of uh, Joel, or I'm sorry, Ben's game tonight? Uh, did you have any particular takeaways? No, I just thought he was great. And it goes, it's these kind of games, which can be a little, not frustrating, they're great to see, but like we, this is like, been at his almost his fullest potential and it just is kind of then when he has like low games it kind of is frustrating because you want him to play at this level all the time Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously that's not possible like no one is at their best all the time but these kind of Ben games are just they're just really fun because they show what a special player he is I think he kind of like gets to display like all the things he's good at and it's it's fun to watch him do that. And he did it from the opening tip-off, too. I mean, he was really aggressive and really, like, assertive right from the, from, right from the beginning of the game. And also to, to close the loop on, on a talking point we had earlier uh, in the year, you know, Ben wasn't hurt the other day, and, he's not, and it's not that he's now healthy tonight. Like, sometimes guys have bad games, and, uh, you know, ba- Ben's bad games look uh, certainly not like 
the game one because he was overall very good in that game. But just that whole thing, how anyway, great game from Ben. Hope to see more of it. Uh, he was really impressive. Uh, oh, uh, Dan, before we get out of the Ben discussion, did you want to talk about the Olinger thing? Oh, sure. Yeah, we can talk about that now. This is not yeah. – uh, this, obviously, this is not Ben-related, but um, just, you know, I was reading because, well, actually, this is great because Tyler's here. Tyler organized a roundtable for Liberty Ballers for the start of the playoffs, and um, I was reading some of the comments on it, and one of the questions, I believe, was the last question was basically, you know, how do you see the Sixers season ending? And Dan said he sees the Sixers losing to either Brooklyn or Milwaukee, but Obviously, you know, he's a Sixers fan, and he hopes that that doesn't happen. Um, just like we all hope that doesn't happen. I personally would actually not take it that far, even though everyone thinks I like am low on the Sixers all the time. I do think Brooklyn is a tough beat. Not that the Sixers can't win, but I would pick Brooklyn that series. I would actually pick us to beat Milwaukee, though, and again, a close series. Um, but the comments were like one comment, but I think that a lot of people agreed with it, and you see this kind of discourse a lot, was basically like, well, if you want the team to win, but you say you think they're going to lose, then you're just being a coward, and you know you're not really. Uh, basically, the implication is you're like not a great fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of ridiculous, and you guys can let me know what you think. But um, you know, we're in a spot here where we're all Sixers fans, but we also often get asked for us, like literally, like you know, two or three times a week what we think this team will do. Um, And that's not to say we're like, you know, experts or anything. We're not former players or anything like that. But I think that there's basically no point in us ever talking about anything if we're not going to give our honest opinion and we're just going to say, oh, the Sixers will win, the Sixers will win if we don't really believe that. I think it's inauthentic and it kind of sucks. So I just really hate to see Dan criticized for picking good teams to beat the Sixers. I don't think that's a bad thing. And he's, he's still a Sixers fan. He still wants them to win and would be happy to be wrong. I just think it's kind of ridiculous to be criticizing someone about that. What do you think? Yeah. I, um, I don't think that like difference of opinion is a bad thing inherently, especially like on the website. I think it's good that we have, like, I think Dave early thinks very differently about the Ben stuff than you or I do, Dan. And like, you know, Emily thinks about it a little differently than you do it. Like, I think that's totally fine. Like, we all would love the Sixers to win every game. And if we disagree about a prediction about whether or not that's going to happen, I really think that should be fine. And and there doesn't need to be like pushback other than just sort of respectfully disagreeing with each other. I think it's nice. Like I like when we, like, I don't mind when we disagree about anything because I mean, everyone, you know, knows what they're talking about and has good reasons for what they believe. I think it's interesting to discuss. Right. Um, before we, uh, Emily, and, and you can obviously comment on any of the Olinger stuff that Dan brought up, um, but before we move on from that, Emily, you also found a uh, post-game quote from Ben that just happened. So I'm going to throw it to you, and you can uh, share your thoughts on whatever and, and definitely give us that quote. Yeah, so Ben, on his first two games this series, said, I thought, I don't know what the question was. I'm assuming it's kind of like, what do you think? think about your play the first game and then this game and he said I thought it was pretty hard to get 15 rebounds and 15 (laughs) assists in the playoffs I'm here to win and I'm doing whatever it takes to help my team win I'm not trying to prove anyone anybody wrong I'm trying to win a championship and I really loved it I just love this like I'm not here for 
whatever you're saying about me and trying to show you what I'm that I'm something I'm just here for my team and I want the trophy and I I like that attitude I really like that quote yeah I mean when Ben has games like this it's so fun to root for him and and it's so fun to see the interaction between him and Joel and we can move to him uh which meanwhile I think their interaction on the court this year has been better than ever before and I think they're very very much aligned uh this year Joel tonight went eight of twelve uh, three of four from three he, for 22 points, seven rebounds, three assists, only one turnover. Um, I just thought he was super in control and he didn't force anything. And like, you know, he, this is the playoffs. He just has to try to win every game. So he's not stat padding. He doesn't have to hit 30 points every night. You know, Washington was hard doubling him right away on catches and he was totally content to just swing the ball around and find the open man. So I, I think he had the perfect outlook tonight. Uh, especially in this series, which is to just get the best shot. Um, Emily, what did you think of Joel's performance tonight? I thought Joel was incredible. I loved that we got he got to rest some. I don't think he played it all in the fourth quarter, which is great. No, and so he, Joel, just so you know, Joel played 26 minutes. Ben played 29. Beautiful. I love that. I mean, Ben doesn't get tired, so I'm never really worried about his minutes, but – um, and I think Joel said something after the game was just like the game has is just really slowed down for him. Like he can see everything just the way and just the things sometimes the things he does. It's just not fair that he's seven foot tall and can can move like he does it. So I just watch him like lay the ball in or any type of move. And I'm just continuously impressed. I love him. I wish him continued success and air humping. And it's all. <laughs> Yeah, there was this that one great, uh, great play where it was a fast break and Ben dropped it off to Joel, who converted an N one layup and then proceeded to hump the ground like right in front of the camera and at one moment staring into the camera. Absolutely love it, Dan. And he uh, like moved you? on different angles. He like angled himself. There was like some movement from side to side. He said it was an homage to all of his favorite wrestlers. Um, that's where he he gets these moves. So keep keep doing it, Joe. I love it. God bless him. I, I think it's a great uh, wrinkle. And I and as I've mentioned before, Joel, like putting his arms up and appealing to the crowd is like the happiest I ever am as a fan of any sport. I just <laughs> I just love it. Uh, Dan, what about you uh, and Joel's performance? Any any overall thoughts? I mean, he was he was very good, uh, as, as you'd expect. Uh, regarding the celebrations, there was a I don't know if you saw and I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to find the exact tweet, but there was a uh, writer for. I'm assuming he's a writer for the Wizards who was like, Joel Embiid just had one of the most disrespectful celebrations <laughs> one I've ever seen. It's like, okay, like let's relax a little bit. And this was the same guy who like five days ago tweeted that the, the Wizards fans were chanting, uh, we want Philly uh, after they mm-hmm. got the playoffs, which is so funny because like, you know, you guys don't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And then, you know, I guess this would lead us into Tobias and then we can sort of do the rest of the guys as, as a bit of a group. Uh, Tobias tonight was nine of 13 from the field, one of three from three, played 23 minutes. He had 19 points, uh, nine rebounds. Uh, yeah, I, you know, obviously the scare with Tobias was when he sort of rolled his ankle there and, um, that seemed a bit worrisome. He walked right off into the locker room. I was a bit worried. I want to know how, how worried were you guys? And, and what did you think of Tobias tonight? Obviously in game one, 
He went for 37. Uh, tonight, he only needed to play 23 minutes and uh, put up 19 points and just scored extremely efficiently. So, Dan, how, how worried were you when he walked off the court? And what did you think about his? I mean, I was worried in the sense that, like, if he goes down, we're in big trouble because he's so important. But um, I feel like I didn't even have time to get too stressed about it. I mean, the game kept playing, and the next thing you know, he was back in. So, um, you know, if it had gone to, you know, the quarter ended or something, and and I I had, was just sitting there like stewing on it, I think that would have been I would have kind of started to freak out. But he came he came back so fast that I. I feel like I, I texted my dad, Tobias just rolled his ankle. And then um, he's like, does it look too bad? I was like, oh, he's back. So, um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't too stressful, I guess. I thought he was good. I mean, he, he was 9 for 13, 1 of 3 from 3. So, uh, like, yeah, solid Tobias game. Yeah. Emily, what about you? Um, how worried were you when it looked like he might have gotten hurt? And then uh, what did you think of how he played? I was a little worried, but he was, like, right after he got hurt, he was, put like, putting weight on it, and I thought he was going to be able to shake it off. I'm a little more concerned about about Seth's ankle because um, I didn't like how he was, like, on the bench and then couldn't walk. That I don't love. Um, and he dealt with ankle stuff during the year, too. Yeah, so I'm hoping – I mean, it said he was questionable return, to return, but they were up by – a good amount that much. I knew he wasn't coming back in. So I'm hoping that he'll be, it was just, it just said ankle soreness. There wasn't like any real diagnosis there. So I'm hoping some rest will help him. I think, you know, a hot Seth Curry game can, can win a game for us easily. Um, but yeah, I thought Tobias played well too. Back to Toby. Sorry. Um, I thought he had a good game. He's been just really solid these past two games, I think. Yeah, a, a good sign for Seth, I think, was that he came back to the bench and was sitting yeah. there. And I think that usually if it's a more worrisome injury, they don't come back out and uh, and sit with the guys. So happy to see that he was back on the bench. Um, moving forward, I, overall about Doc's rotations, there are some Sixers fans that get worried during these games about too much of a bench-heavy lineup, too much of uh, Dwight or uh, for me, this is my read on it is that I don't really know if anything rotation wise is going to be all that representative uh, of how they're going to play in like the Eastern Conference Finals. Like I feel like Doc understands who they're playing right now and is okay with having an eleven man rotation or you know whatever it is because he knows that he can get away with it. You know I, I think that Doc's been around long enough. Now he might have weird rotations in the Eastern Conference Finals. I just wouldn't you know, necessarily look at these ones as predictive of those. Emily, do you agree? And, and are you worried at all about the rotations he's been putting out there? I'm not worried about the rotations he's putting out there because, like you said, he knows who we're playing right now. No offense to the Wizards, but they're not the Nets or the Bucks. Um, and I think it's kind of good to, like, get these, especially, like, a Maxi or a – I mean, I guess, I mean, Matisse only has, like, bubble playoffs. Like, those aren't real. Like, get these guys. I mean, Matisse will be in the rotation no matter what. But, like, get these guys minutes and let them have some success and maybe have some confidence in the playoffs because, God forbid, we, like, really need them for some reason in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's not their first time, you know, getting some run and having some success. I think it's good to, like, build up their confidence a little bit in these series. 
Yeah, I agree. Dan, where are you at on uh, Doc's rotations and, and whether or not you think these rotations are pretty much what we're going to see for the rest of the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not what we'll see the rest of the playoffs. But I agree with Emily. It's good to get guys some minutes. It's good to rest the starters when you can, which you know, we'll be able to rest them, obviously, in a game like today, way more than we would in an Eastern Conference final series. Um, I agree. I don't think that they'll you know really look anything like this. I don't think we'll see any all bench or even almost entirely bench lineups once we get further on. At least I really hope not. Uh, but I don't worry about seeing it now just because, I mean, it's the Wizards and they kind of stink. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I still think that no Mike Scott until garbage time is is a good sign. Um, and I love that we got to see playoff b-ball Paul. So I think that the rotations for now, they're fine. And Paul played great in his minutes. He was wonderful. As always. He was beautiful. He always is. He was great. He always plays Um so uh, before we talk about uh, Matisse, I figured let's talk about Shake and Maxi. Uh, Shake really can't hit a shot right now. He's having a hard time. He was 0 for 6 tonight, missed the 1 3 he took. Uh, Maxi came in. Shake played 14 minutes, and Maxi played 14 as well. Maxi had, uh, went 4 for 7, uh, 2 for 3 from the foul line, uh, had 10 points, three blocks, played great defense tonight, two assists. Uh, it it looks to me like we're getting pretty close to a like you know shake in those minutes instead. I'm sorry, Maxi in, in those minutes instead of Shake, um, and I think that's probably fluid. And I think that if if Maxi goes completely cold, then we could have this reverse. But for me, like the the benefit of playing Shake over Maxi was always that he was a better three point shooter. But I don't even know how true that is right now. And just the way that Maxi's playing on both ends, I think it's hard to keep him out of a rotation. Dan, how do you envision this playing out? Do you think that Maxi will start taking Shake's minutes? And do you think that that's what should happen? Yeah, I think he might. Doc kind of made a comment earlier today alluding to that, where he said, you know, he imagine Maxi keeps getting more minutes. Uh, I Obviously, I don't see how those minutes are coming from anyone but Shake. Um, I, I do think it's what should happen. And I, if, you know, if you had asked me that a couple months ago, there's no way I would have said that because, you know, I would have said Shake at his best can, you know, be so, so good. We've seen it at his best, you know, to start the year, he was so good. Um, and I would say, you know, let's try to let him figure it out. And at the time, Maxie wasn't playing this well, but, but Maxie's been so good lately. Um, I don't see how you keep him out for Shake. I think when you have that strong of an alternative, now is not the time to say, you know, let's try to let Shake get through it when he's been struggling for well over a month and Maxie's playing this well. I mean, for now, I, I don't think it really matters because, again, it's the Wizards. But And even next round, maybe you get away with it. But it, when it comes to the Eastern Conference Finals, if Shake is still really struggling and Tyrese is still making the most of his minutes, I think they have to go to yeah. Uh, Emily, what about you? Where do you land on the Shake and Maxi dilemma? Yeah, I agree with Dan. I think you kind of just go with the hot hand, and Maxi has been playing great lately. The, the Philly crowd also really loves Maxi. Like, they really do. Like, just incredible amounts, like, just freaking out when he got in. They were so happy, and I love to see it. Um, I'm not in any way, like, giving up on Shake. I'm not saying, like, we don't need Shake, um, but... If 
I just, like I said, go with the hot hand. Um, Doc sees them in practice and shoot around and kind of, I think, knows where they're at, where their head's at at that time and just kind of kind of go with it. They're both still really young. Like, I'm not, like I said, writing shake off as an NBA player, but Maxie has made a lot of strides. I, I formally apologize for my Maxie grade tonight. He's, <laughs> he's really good tonight. So I'm, I was impressed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Finally, let's talk about Matisse Thibel, um, who some broadcasts insist on calling Thibel. I don't know I why. What are they? Are they trying to be like? I thought that's how. So when they, when he was first drafted, if I remember correctly, there was something that said that is properly properly pronounced um, Thibel, but Zumoff always calls him Thibel and. That kind of confuses me because Zumoff will always call guys by what they're properly called, even if other people don't. Like everyone says Sarch, and Zumoff always said Sharich. Right. So, and I and I think I've seen like, Matisse say that his like say his name as Thibel. Like I don't think there's much debate locally about that. So I think that uh, that it's sort of a national thing. But I do feel like I saw something at some point, and I'll have to look back and see if I can find it. That when they first drafted him, someone someone said the correct pronunciation is Tybal, but I don't know if that was incorrect or if if you know Matisse just said we'll just say Thibel if because everyone is saying that I have no idea, but I do feel like I've heard. Some- I mean, if if Zumoff has been saying it wrong for like three years, the Sixers would have would have corrected him. So I, I can't I can't imagine that that Zumoff has it wrong. You know, um, anyway. Tonight, he played 20 minutes. He went 2 of 5 from the field, 1 for 3 from 3, 5 points. He stole the ball four times, and he blocked five shots. His defense was just out of this world tonight. Uh, This is from Ruben Frank of NBC Sports Philly. He said, Matisse Thibel is the first player in NBA history with four steals and five blocks in 20 or fewer minutes of any game, regular season or postseason. Just pretty insane and, and it all, really. I mean, there was this one... Uh, sequence where he blocked Rui Hachimura and Hachimura fell down and Matisse just took the ball out of his hands. It was like, he was excellent. And and he needs to be, you know, playing this kind of defense as the Sixers keep going. Um, Emily, thoughts on Matisse tonight? And um, how impressed were you with this kind of performance? I was very impressed. I love this kind of performance from Matisse. He, and I think it makes it better that he is just like this defensive just standout star will just like snatch the ball from you. But he is as baby faced and handsome as ever. (laughs) Like he is, he does not look menacing. You see him, you're like, Oh, look at this nice man. But then on the court, he will just like take the ball, steal it, block you like shows no mercy. And I think that makes it better. Yeah. I mean, Bertans pushed him last game. It's like, how, how dare you Bertans? Um, uh, Dan, what do you say? Matisse, how, how did you think of, uh, this performance? What'd you think? 
Yeah, it's obviously really impressive. We've talked about him a lot all year, um, but he's come such a long way since not. I, I don't even want to say the beginning of the year because I have no idea what he was doing in training camp or anything like that that led him to not really be in the rotation to start the year, but certainly a long way since last season. I mean, he was a solid rookie last year, a really good defense for a rookie, but not among the league's best and offensively kind of a disaster. And to go from, again, we've said it a lot, but to go from that to being you know, a guy who is still playable on the offensive end, he doesn't give you a ton, but he's been better, and who is so dominant defensively. I mean, four and five in 19 minutes in, to be your defensive stats, to be your right. block stats, is unbelievable. And he's this isn't like a one-off performance, and he just he needs to be on the court. I didn't even see it coming to start the year. Um, he's but he's just been so good and and just like worlds better than he than he has ever been, and he's been consistent. And he he has to be on the floor. They need him. He's he's yeah. Um, Emily, looks like you did some sleuthing on the way we pronounce his last name. What do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of double duty here tonight, guys. <laughs> so I Googled how to pronounce Matisse Thibel and found this, like, semi-sketchy website with all of these NBA players, and then it had links to things. And so I clicked one, and it was a video from the Sixers from 2019, and he says, Matisse Thibel reporting for duty. So Matisse has said his name with, like, the TH sound instead of the hard T. So I think we can go that we're right and the weird national media people are wrong. I think that you did a great job there, and thank Good you work, for Emily. your service. Really well thank done. You. Um, do we anticipate any uh, resistance coming in Washington? Um, the Sixers will then go to Washington to play games three and four of the series. Um, uh, starting on Saturday night, they have Saturday and then Monday on Memorial Day, I believe. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Um, yeah. And uh, what and do you guys anticipate? What did you say, Dan? And that will be it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's sort of where I want to go here. Like, you know, obviously teams always play better at home. To me, I just think that talent gap is too vast in this one uh, for a Sixers team when they're trying to really lose in any of these games to the Wizards. I mean, you've seen Bradley Beal giving all he has. I mean, he's scoring great against good defense every night, and he's like a minus 22. So, uh, Dan, what did you think? You know, do you think that – you can see the Wizards squeaking out a game at home and how much of a boost do you think they'll get playing at home? Yeah, I don't really know what their home court advantage is like. I don't see them winning a game, though. Maybe they win one. I wouldn't I wouldn't predict them to win one. Actually, earlier today, before this game, I put money on the Sixers to sweep because I, I really don't see the Wizards taking a game, and I still feel great about that bet. Um, that said, if the Sixers lose one, I don't think it's a huge deal i mean sometimes you know you come out sluggish and even though it's the playoffs it's not a series that they have to be super stressed about um and so if i think at most it goes five games but i really can't see it going more than that and i i would be surprised if it went that far yeah uh, i'm with you emily what about you do you think that uh the wizards will be able to pull one out um playing at home um, I want to, I mean, my heart of hearts says, no, I asked Jordy tonight, like how much money would you put on for the Sixers to sweep the series? And he was like, tonight, I think I'd put like 
after tonight's game, like 25, but at the beginning of the series, I would put five. So just like the confidence has grown exponentially, but I hate to say it because I am always wary of making the basketball gods mad and like disrespecting my opponent too much and getting too cocky. I'm always very like wary of that, but the Sixers just look really good and they have more talent and I don't know what's going on with Westbrook's ankle. Um, it didn't look great. He looked real, real mad about it. And normally players know when things are bad. So, um, and before the popcorn, just when he was like on the baseline, just like really right. not pleased right. about his situation. Um, so if, if they don't have Westbrook, then that kind of all goes on Beal to carry the team. And he is a great player, but that's a, that's a big load to carry. I mean, he doesn't have really anyone to help him shoulder that load besides Russ. So, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. I think that, uh, I think before the series, I even picked, um, the Sixers in five, but the more I watch it, the more it just seems like the Sixers are just going to go ahead and, and take care of business. Um, and, uh, I think that, you know, we'll talk about the around the league stuff at the end of the podcast coming up here, but I think they probably look around the league and see the Nets killing the Celtics 2-0 and, the Bucks are now up 2-0 in Miami, and I don't think the Sixers want to be, you know, the one series that gets extended, you know, outside of, of course, the the 4-5. So uh, I definitely think that they're going to take care of business, but we'll go game by game. We'll have a podcast after, I think, every game, just the way that the schedule works out here. Um, we are on live on Locker Room. Uh, friend and fan of the podcast, Eric, is with us here, and, and uh, he requested to speak. Eric, how are you, man? Good. How are you guys? We're great. Thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, what's, yeah, what's going on? Well, uh, enjoying a, what was a 25-point victory. I'm actually in basketball heaven right now. I got the uh, monitor with the box score open on the one monitor. And the second monitor, I just got done watching the uh, Knicks and Hawks game. You know, I'm doing Knicks the won. exact same thing. Yep. So it's good to see that the, the Knicks won a game to make that series you know go as long as possible. Um, you know. The longer it goes, the better it is for us. So I'm Big happy time. with that as well. And then I get to watch a good, hopefully a good game with the Jazz and Grizzlies. But I, I think it might be a blowout tonight with Mitchell coming back. Yeah. So who do you have a preference of who you would like the Sixers to face in uh, Atlanta and New York? Honestly, I would love to play New York just because just watching watching the game like they're like just Madison Square Garden. Like it's been so long since we've seen like a team actually you know, be relevant in New York and just that atmosphere is awesome. And I think it would be really good for the Sixers just to have, you know, you know, just to, you know, have to work for something. I feel like this series is probably only going to go four. I mean, I, I don't care either way who we play. I think we're going to beat them in five or six with the second round. I don't even know if it would go that that long, but um, yeah, I would just love to play against New York. I think their, you know, their crowd base is a lot like us. I think it'd be a lot of fun, you know, with all the, the trash talk going back and forth and you know that's all you really can ask for against an opponent lesser of the skill yeah it does i mean those games in in new york look so fun like the the fans look amazing there and uh it's it's really cool to see and, and i think that would be a fun and also not very worrisome series from a sixers fan perspective of course yeah, so I actually requested to speak because I wanted to bring up a few interesting points with you all and just get your take on it. Um, so the first interesting thing I'm sure you see, I'm looking at the box score. I didn't even really realize this, but 
you know, first and foremost, all the starters didn't play over 30 minutes, which is great heading in for us. You know, Seth Curry, a little worrisome. It looked like he had a little bit more pain than Tobias did. He actually had to be helped off a little bit when going back into the locker room. Um, luckily, we have a, what, till Saturday instead of just like, right. You know, we have one night off and going right back to it. So I think I think he'll be all right. Worst case scenario, if we were without him without a game, I still think we can handle business. Um, we're just, yeah. you know, we're so oversized against them. You just, they, they really can't, they can't really handle us at this point. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm getting up the broom already at this point. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing I saw as well is Simmons was just dominant tonight. I mean, he had actually the most field goal attempts on the whole team, which... And I mean, how often do you see that when all the starters and all your guys are playing? So I'd be interested to know if that's even like ever happened with Joel in there and with Tobias in there. You know, that's yeah. that's very. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that. Think, good point. I think a lot of the starters took a little bit of step back tonight. They just saw Simmons. You know, he wanted to. You know, shut the crowd up a little bit tonight. He wanted to. Uh, you know, prove after that six point awful. I mean, not awful performance, but at least from the offensive side. Not very well, uh, very well performance. He wanted to, you know, show that he can get it done. Um, now it decide, now it depends if he can continue that. Usually, you see one or two games of this from him, and then the next three are, you know, subpar. This is always why Simmons is always a hot debate because this is the kind of stuff he'll do for you. Like if he plays like this every night in the playoffs, I, I think we have a real good shot at winning the chip this year. I, I right. think that. It's just almost unbeatable this team if Simmons plays like this every night. Yeah, I think I think he was great, and I I do think this is the kind of uh, kind of thing they're going to need from him, especially against the best teams. Yeah, and then one last quick point I actually wanted to bring up to you guys is I was actually lucky enough to go on the game one on uh, Sunday. Um, atmosphere was great. I never I I never really took for granted how much you know just going down to a to a game can just how how much we could miss that, you know, with mm-hmm. COVID and everything happening last year. The interesting thing that was that when I was down there is they say they're only allowing like 50% capacity into the arena. There was, I was talking to my dad who actually took me down to the game. There had to be at least 75% down there at least. So did what I read online from somebody is that they like, like sort of marked off the upper corner sections and funneled yeah, everybody so into the, the is that right? So the only section that was marked off was like behind the basket, like third, like second level. That's it. I mean, other than that, everything was, I mean, I had people sitting right next to me. Um, so I wouldn't really say that's social distancing. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated, so I wasn't really too worried I was gonna about say, it. How did you feel from a COVID perspective? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, so I wasn't too concerned with it. I know a lot of people didn't have masks, you know, they would have them down by the chin wearing all that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, not the proper way to wear it, but I was there to enjoy a game, not worry about COVID. So, but I, yeah. I just found that very curious. I didn't know if that could be something that could come back and, you know, they could get fined for that or something, or if that's just the normal now. Cause I, I, when we went down there, me and my dad just looked at each other shocked, like, wow, this is, this is actually a pretty full stadium. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, Emily, as somebody who uh, goes to the games a good bit more than Dan and I, what do you think about this? sort of concept about, you know, how, how many fans there are there and how the spacing isn't really happening. Yeah. So my guess is that I haven't been there since it's been 50%. I was there when it and earlier, but my guess is there's like some weird workarounds for capacity rules. Like I know 
this isn't sports related, but when we were talking to our wedding venue and they say, oh, you're at 25% capacity, but it was like standing room capacity, not seated capacity. So it holds 260 people for a seated dinner, but standing capacity is eight, like a thousand. So you could have 250 Mm. people there and it's fine. Um, So I think there's probably like some, some real loopholes that the teams are working with. I'm, I'm pretty confident that the Sixers are probably following the rules. But I wouldn't be surprised if there are some loopholes and interesting things that they're doing to make it to get as many fans as they can in there and to make it seem crowded would be my guess. Right. Um, Yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, I think you said that June 11th is when they can open up uh, even more. Um, Yeah. But yeah, we'll definitely see. Eric, thank you so much for listening, for hanging out with us again. And uh, we hope you'll come back and, and hang out again soon. Yeah, of course. I'll be here next time. You guys take care. Thanks, Thanks, buddy. So before we get out of here, let's just do some around the league. What do you guys think of the the state of the series that are going on right now? Um, Emily, you know, there's the Knicks and the Hawks. There's, you know, the game that's on now is Memphis and Utah. Any thoughts on the rest of the series that are currently going? Um, Yeah, it's fun that the Knicks won just to keep that series going. Um, this series, the Memphis Utah one, I I like the Grizzlies. I really like John Morant. I don't really think they have a long term shot, but I would like to see them like take it six or seven. I'm more curious how Utah. I don't know if you guys have the game on. How Utah has color coded their fans? I want to know if they like told them like you're in this seat, you have to wear this shirt, or if they all got shirts on the way in and everyone chose to put them in. On- so I think how they do this in my experience is that they put them on the seats so that when you get into your seats, there's like a giant, like oversized t-shirt sitting there and you throw it on and then you're all cord. I think that's how it works. And they say like, please wear this. Cause when I get t-shirts at Wells Fargo center, I don't put them on. What are you but doing? I think them? if it was part of, a, I mean, I take it home. I don't, I'll like sleep <laughs> in it. I just don't put it on. I have an outfit plan for the game. That's Steve. fair. Like I that's have fair. a look. But we saw you jackets. on TV. We saw the look. Well, yeah. And a lot of jean jackets. Um, but I think if I knew it was part of a greater color coordinating scheme, I would be more willing to put the shirt on. So maybe that's it. All right. I, I like it. That's good around the league. Uh, Dan, what about you? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what about you? Do you have any thoughts on the on the series that are going on right now? What do you think of the Bucks and Heat series? Yeah, I mean, the, the Bucks just stomped them in game two. Um, which it's so like, I wish they could both lose that series, you know, and yeah. not even, not even in a way that it's like, they're good teams. And like, I want them both out of the playoffs. Like I couldn't care less about that. Like, you know, this, you know, you gotta be good teams at some point to me. It's just that they're both such annoying fan bases. And it's like, it's kind of a win-win because you're one of them is guaranteed to lose in the first round. It's going to be the Heat. I'd be shocked if it wasn't the Heat. Even before this year's, I picked the Bucks to win in five. I think, you know, a lot of people were were higher on the Heat, uh, which fairly they, they they killed them last year. So that's fair. Um, but the, the first game was close and kind of ugly, and the second game was just a, a blowout. And it was so much fun. There were so many Heat jokes being made on Twitter, and I enjoy that a lot. Um, Lakers and Suns 1-1 which is fun I think that's a great matchup like Emily said Knicks Hawks 1-1 now is fun I like that um, 
not just because it extends it for us, like Eric mentioned, just because um, I like series that go long, and it doesn't look like we'll get a lot of them. So it's kind of nice to see a close series. I'm kind of shocked that the Mavericks are up 2 on the Clippers, um, and I'm sure there are people who aren't, and part of it is probably because I really don't watch the Magic unless they play us, and they're horrible against us because Ben kills Luka. Um, and so, you know, maybe some other people saw this coming. I know they played him tough last year, but Mavs up 2-0 now. I actually just bet on that series to go to 7. So um, that's kind of the biggest surprise to me because the the Mavericks are definitely outperforming my low expectations. Oh, Blazers-Nuggets 1-1-2. I think those are the only 1-1 series or those three. Right. But that's fun. I like to see... You know, a good close series. Obviously, the two more interesting ones are the one that could have two title contenders and the one that we play next. Um, and besides that, the only other series is just the Nets killing the Celtics and kind of saw it coming. Uh, as much as, you know, you don't want the Nets to look good and they've looked good, it's still really nice to see the Celtics lose by a lot. Um, right. I think just naturally, I'm built to root against the Celtics, even if it's like, not in our best interests. Like, it's weird. Like, it could be, like, you know, we we need, like, a certain team to to lose for playoff position, and that team's playing the Celtics, and it's, like, I have to almost, like, if I'm watching the game, like, I find myself rooting for that team, and I have to remind myself that, like, no, you don't root against the Celtics this game. Like, it comes so natural to me. I hate them. So, them being down 2-0 is fun. That is great. Um, the, you know, the added element to the Clippers and Mavericks series is that the Clippers chose their opponent uh, because they tanked the last two games of the season against Houston and against Oklahoma City so they wouldn't have to play the Lakers. So it would just be – Emily always talks about, like, the basketball gods and, and basketball karma. It would really be the ultimate, like, getting beat by basketball gods as Kawhi Leonard can leave in free agency. Um, so that would be wild. And they have no future picks. It would just be sort of a, a nightmare for their organization. But I think it would be fun to watch either way. You know, if they get bounced early, that will be wild. And if it goes seven games, that will be a fun series. Um, I think that that's all. Do you guys have anything else before we get out of here? Great win tonight. That's all. Really great win. Agreed. Emily? Uh, agreed. I'll Just be back agreed. in Philadelphia for the next game, and I can't wait because it's been hard to find it in North Carolina. And I'm happy to be home with other people like me. Like, who like that's right. And we're yes. going to go to the game soon now that you're home. Yes, we have plans to go to a round yeah. two game. I'll make it happen. Yes, yeah, exactly. Sure. We've no, been sure. talking about going to a game, and uh, I think what the only sensible thing is to just live stream on Locker Room the whole time and do play-by-play. Um, I, I think, think that the people, the people around, around us would really like that. that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We, we know how to make friends. <laughs> Who doesn't want a live show? I have a serious show. question. Before I go to a game with you guys, are you guys sucks people? Like, do you yell sucks at the other team or no? I... I yell the entire time. But do you yell? Just, I will. I will 100% yell socks. I'll yell everything. Okay, my one friend does says that she she thinks yelling sucks is mean, so she refrains. But I'm a big like socks person. I think it's hilarious. So socks is so funny because it just like what are we even saying? Like, do we actually think everybody on the other team is bad? I just think it's such a funny and charming routine that we have as fans to say socks after every. And it's, like, 
And it's always the best player that gets the loudest sucks, which right. is even better. It's like yeah, right. and then it's like the longest, loudest sucks ever. There's something that's oh, and so I will like say, go ahead. great. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go. I was just gonna say, I think it's like great that it's like a like a thing that you do to everyone. Like I think it would be kind of lame if you just said it to the best player. Because then it's right. like, like remember the one time like we talked about this, but like when they they were chanting like KD sucks and KD wasn't even playing, and right, it was like right. okay, well he obviously doesn't suck. Like come on, but <laughs> I think it's so funny they do it to everyone. It's awesome. I'll yeah. I will be joining in. Great, yeah. love to hear it. We'll do it in unison. I can't wait. Um, all right, I think that's it for us. Emily, have a safe trip home. When do you when do you go back? Friday morning. We fly back. All right. Safe flight. Don't start any trouble. Dan, you can get some rest now. How exciting. Um, Great talking to you both. We will be back with a new episode, I guess, on Sunday after the Saturday game. And uh, go Sixers. Let's go get another win and let's finish this series pretty quickly. Um, Anything else, friends? Nope. Nope. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff from all of us, mainly me. I will uh, talk to you guys soon, and uh, yeah, we'll be with you again soon. Should I do a longer outro? All right, goodbye. (laughs) See ya.